0: Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night, as I am recording this, after the Denver Nuggets win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Final score, 113-107. It was close, close for a while. Uh, Denver went into the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead. Uh, that was cut all the way down, and the Thunder briefly led towards the end of the game, but the Nuggets went on a 10-2 to run to close, and that was basically all she wrote. Uh, but only after a couple scares, and, and only after the Thunder once again put the fear of God into this Nuggets team. They just have a system, and they have players that are uh, fearless, for one thing, but they also just know that the way that they play, the style that they play, will lead them to make things difficult for the Nuggets. And I think you look at the box score, you look at how Denver won this game, and it really was just by brute force. Uh, Denver got to the lane, they got fouled, they made all of their free throws basically, 23 out of 24, and they shot like hell once again. 26% 8 of 31 from the three-point line. They had 15 turnovers. It wasn't really pretty. But ultimately, they got it done. Ultimately, all this counts as is a win in the column. And the Nuggets are now at 44 and 31. Their magic number for the top six seed is seven. That's all we, we really care about. It's not about how you get it done. It's that you do get it done. And this is a good way for Denver to recover after that Phoenix loss. Let's talk about the starters. Then we'll talk about the bench in the second segment, and then I'm going to do kind of a Nikola Jokic appreciation in the third segment, because Nikola Jokic just once again delivered a masterpiece. He was unbelievable in this game. And throughout it, I was not necessarily critical, but I was sort of hounding the fact that he has to keep the pedal down. It became very clear that Denver's floor spacers were not going to hit their shots tonight, that they needed more from Nikola Jokic inside, and that even though he had, what, 17 points, nine rebounds, five assists at halftime, I knew that he needed to go get more. I knew that that couldn't be it, and that he had to uh, continue to deliver because the bench gave up a lead. Once again, they gave it up in the first, gave it up in the second. Denver starters around Jokic did not shoot efficiently from the three-point line in general. Aaron Gordon went two of three. Monte Morris went one of two. But Barton goes two of seven. Jeff Green goes 0 of five. It's not great spacing in general. So Denver, they they had to be good. They had to figure it out. And they had to do it on the interior. And Jokic did just that. Finishes with 35 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks, uh they've they've credited him they've discredited him with a steal they've gone back and forth on it in the the box score post game but i'm, I'm going to say two steals two blocks three turnovers plus 19 in a 6 point win that looks like the nuggets doesn't it against a really bad oklahoma city team that's obviously not as bad as their record like i think they've manufactured losses in a situation where they if they were looking to really win these games then they could because they're a very well coached team. But Jokic had to give it his all and it's kind of sad that he did if we're being honest against this team but Jokic played well 13 of 15 from the field. The only two shots that he missed were a blocked shot right at the beginning of the game I think or it was pretty close to the beginning where Isaiah Roby blocked his shot. Jokic got it back and then kicked it out for a three for an assist. And then kind of a late shot clock three that he had to hoist up at one point or another. It's pretty funny, though. That that's kind of what it comes down to. And other than that, and other than a, a random turnover here or there, he was great. He was absolutely great. And against this matchup where OKC doesn't have as many players, especially with size, that can deal with Jokic as they usually do. They didn't double as hard as I thought that they probably should, and they didn't rotate onto him as much as they should. They kind of let him get to his spots, and so when Denver kind of got him the ball, he was able to finish in a place where he was very comfortable doing so, got fouled a couple times for an and one, created shots right under the rim. Uh, He was a beast. He He was a beast for sure. And though Denver tried to work other guys in there, uh, Gordon took 17 shots, Barton took 16 shots, Jeff Green went 3 of 9, uh, there there were still a lot of opportunities for Jokic, and, and he controlled the pace of this game really well, and I'm just happy that he was able to deliver in this situation, because Denver absolutely needed it. Let's talk about Aaron Gordon, who I thought had a really good game, and Some of the stuff that he does, I think, can get frustrating at at one point or another. But overall, you look at the line, uh, 20 points in 35 minutes, 8 of 17 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, just 1 turnover, was a plus 24, and I thought he played pretty good defense tonight. There were some times where he, he let the occasional guy drive by him, but for the most part, he was rotating very well, got a block at the rim, uh, did a nice job of mirroring Trey Mann when he was on him, Teo Maladon, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby. He did a really good job against a variety of guys. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, an- another one off the bench who played pretty well against other guys, but when Aaron Gordon was on him, not a lot going. Uh, this is the version of Gordon that Denver needs where he's physical. He's down the, he's downhill towards the rim, trying to be a force underneath the basket. I think one of the things that really stands out in these situations is that he, he can play a little bit differently when Jeff Green is on the floor versus when Austin Rivers is on the floor. When Jeff Green's on the floor, sometimes Jeff will get in his way a little bit because both of those guys, 6'8", Jeff's the power forward in that situation. Jeff's trying to space most of the time, but there are other times where he's cutting to the rim and they're both on the same side and it looks a little bit ugly. But I like when Aaron Gordon is the four because it kind of forces him into that dunker spot in a lot of different ways because Austin Rivers isn't going to play that spot. You put Aaron Gordon there and things look a lot different. I think one of the reasons why MPJ has been such a massive loss throughout this year is because of that very dynamic. Instead of Jeff Green on the perimeter, if you have Michael Porter out there, then teams have to stick to him. You've got Aaron Gordon on the dunker spot, and if Jokic gets free down the middle, you know he's making all of those reads, and Aaron Gordon's absolutely taking advantage of it. But either way, good minutes from Aaron Gordon tonight. Really liked what I saw, thought he was very physical. Thought he did exactly what he needed to do. Random pull-ups every now and then and just kind of have to live with those. But for the most part, he was downhill going towards the restricted area every single time. And that's how you beat this Thunder team. You just got to kind of bulldoze your way through their scheme. That's about it. Let's talk about Will Barton, who had a good offensive game. And I don't want to take away from that. I really don't. But there are some really, really frustrating things with him defensively where sometimes if Nikola Jokic doesn't close out, I sort of understand it where he's protecting the rim, he's in a situation where he's just the most important offensive player, you have to have him fresh. Barton, I understand that he has to be dynamic offensively, and if he's not, then that sort of affects everything. But on the defensive end, he and Jeff Green do this thing where they put themselves into a position where they're kind of stuck in the paint, and then they have to close out to a shooter, and they will fly by said shooter in a situation where that shooter then gets to reload, get on to get on balance, and either hit a shot or then advance the play as somebody else has to fly out and contest that shot too. It's kind of bailing out on defense, if you will. And I hope that that kind of stops when the playoffs roll around, but we are in game 75. Like this was the 75th game of the season, a must-win game. And the Thunder shoot 14 of 36 from three, 39%, in part because either Barton's getting caught on screens or he's flying by and, and not necessarily giving a solid contest and he's not the only one. I don't want to like like I saw Bones do it tonight. I see Jeff Green do it all the time. Sometimes Aaron Gordon will get caught doing it. It's not it's not just a Barton thing. It's just the thing that I've started to notice with him as the season has gone along that look. Let's just be positive. Let's let's be positive now. Denver got the win. Will Barton was a plus 11 in his 35 minutes. And for the vast majority of his time I thought he was playing with a good pace and a good downhill aggression against OKC, where, look, you you get into the teeth of the defense, you get into the teeth of the zone, and they've got nothing for you. Once you get there, it's over. It's just about getting there. It's just about not settling. And so him going two of seven from three, not necessarily great. Like, I, I would prefer that he took less threes in a situation like tonight. But him getting downhill and and most of the shots that he was taking, when he was getting into the paint and taking some of those shots, they were all around the rim. They caused the defense to panic a lot. And there were a variety of times where he did it in transition, variety of times where he did it in the half court. And as a result, he finishes with seven assists because the defense then has to react to that dribble penetration. It's something that the Nuggets offense has really been missing for much of this year. So I do think that when, when Barton can get downhill, when he can put pressure on the front of the rim like that, then it's going to help everybody else out. And I thought he did it tonight and I thought he did it well and he deserves credit for that. Also two steals and a block for him. It it certainly wasn't like a Horrible defensive performance. Like he did get some good activity in there. He was especially when he was on ball. He was much better. I thought. Thought he was very focused. Thought he was chasing guys around screens. Did a pretty good job with that. Sometimes he'll get caught on a screen and it could be pretty killer. But for the most part, he's giving effort and and look, Denver won. And he had eighteen point seven assists, six rebounds, and filled up the box and did pretty well doing it. Monte Morris. Hit a very big shot. Michael Malone said that he thought the play of the game was when Monte Morris flew over from the weak side on defense, tipped a pass that was intended for, I think it was Isaiah Roby, but it might have been Sar or Kretschke or one of these other guys. But he tipped a pass that was intended for to go over the top of Nikola Jokic, gets the steal. Jokic gets the ball on the block, double comes, Jokic finds Monte Morris for a wide open three, and Monte hits it. Big, big swing in a situation where OKC could have tied the game if Monte doesn't tip that pass, and instead he puts Denver up five. It was just so big. That's, That's one of those situations where you look at that, you look at how that finished, and you you laugh you 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 smile a little bit because Denver hasn't had enough of those major massive winning plays come from the other guys like you can point to various moments throughout the season but one of the reasons that Denver hasn't been like one of the top teams in clutch time is because so much of the burden has fallen to Jokic well Monte makes two plays back to back there really saving the game and kind of saving his line when he, up to that point, hadn't really been super productive. But he finishes with seven points on six shots, five assists, two rebounds, two steals, zero turnovers, was a plus five. Not a good defensive night from him, I thought. And, and like I know Teo Maladon or, and uh, Trey Mann, well, especially Trey Mann, wasn't super efficient. I'm not sure how much of that was with Monte. I do think that there were some instances where Monte got back cut, where Monte let some guys drive by him. But look, he's a part of the lineup, and the lineup did well. The lineup was a plus, and the entire reason why Denver won tonight. So I'm going to give him his credit. I'm going to give him his due. And look, he's allowed to have a bad game every now and then. This one wasn't even really bad, and he made two big plays down the stretch. That's kind of the bar that we're setting here. So good on him for making those plays. Finally, Jeff Green, uh, 8 points, 3 of 9 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Pretty pretty simple here. He was good when he was attacking the basket, when he was around the rim, and he was bad when he was setting up from 3. And sometimes you're not going to hit those threes. He hit those shots against the Suns. He hit those shots in the previous game too. So I'm not going to bash him here. But I do think that this is one of those times where Look, he had been taking above the break threes for a reason. I think he took three of them tonight. And I just think that that's probably not the best thing. But look, as long as he's comfortable doing it in the playoffs and converting at a reasonable rate, then Denver's going to need the floor spacing. So if he can do that, then great. Uh, Also grab four rebounds. So that's a little bit higher than his average. So take that for what you will. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit briefly. Uh, They didn't have their best game, but we will talk about it for sure. But first, as you know, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. College basketball fans, join in on the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We've just figured out the final four. Uh, Duke is still in the tournament. Coach K, got to cut down the nets tonight. I know there's a lot of people that are very polarized by that image, but if you're a college basketball fan, you understand that Coach K means so much to the game. And even if you're not a college basketball fan, you probably still know that too. So make sure to pay attention to the parlays when they come out. Make sure to pay attention to the deals. And DraftKings is offering one for new users where you can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You could deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call one 800 522 700 Welcome back, Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support as always on this program. If you could, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, if you like this podcast and you know Nuggets fans in your life need another outlet, then share it with a friend. Share it with anybody that's uh, that's looking for their own little squeeze on Nuggets talk and. I've got my own little niche basketball podcast for you, and there's a lot of great ones out there, but I have my own uh, my own little corner here with this Nuggets community, so thank you so much for being a part of it. All right, let's get into the bench unit. Let's talk about uh, just a couple of the reasons, I think, why they struggled tonight. Let's start with Jamichael Green, actually, who wasn't super great when he was out there, uh, two points in eight minutes, one of four from the field, O of one from three, two rebounds. And I think one of the things you you start to see when he's out there is that when he is spacing from the dunker spot, when he's circling back out to the three-point line, those things have two distinct feels, very, very distinct changes in, in how teams guard him, how teams have to kind of stay attached to him. The two points that he had were on a dunk where Nikola Jokic is on the floor with the bench. You've got Bones at point, you've got Austin Rivers, you've got Bryn Forbes. Uh, Jokic is obviously running the show, but the ball is rotated back around to Bones and he probes into the middle of the floor, finds Jermichael Green on a dump-off pass, and and Jermichael gets the dunk. That looks really good. What doesn't look really good sometimes is when he is forced to kind of space the floor from three, and there are a couple of times he only took one three tonight, but I do think that one of the things that stands out when OKC is running zone is that Denver didn't do a great job of attacking the middle of it. A lot of their bench was hyper-focused on hitting the three-point shots, Uh. Half of Cousins' shots were threes. All of Bones' shots were threes other than the free throws that he drew. Four out of five of Rivers' shots were threes. Both of Forbes' shots were threes. So when Jamichael's out there, he's got to be the guy that's kind of probing around the dunker spots, maybe at the top of the circle, uh, the charge circle or so, and just finding opportunities to make an impact around the rim. Because Denver, in a situation like tonight, where you're facing OKC, they are so small. And not being able to crack that zone, I think, is a pretty big uh, product of bad – I think it's bad process in general. And I'm not just going to highlight one guy or the other. I don't think this was a a Bones' fault kind of game. I don't think this was Austin Rivers' fault. I don't think this was DeMarcus Cousins' fault. But in the minutes where DeMarcus Cousins played, which is basically all bench, uh, there were a couple minutes where Barton and Monte and Gordon were out there too. But DeMarcus Cousins was a minus 13 for seven points, uh, two of four from the field, one of two from three, four offensive rebounds, four defensive rebounds, but he did have two turnovers and that's just kind of where the margin is oftentimes. Denver's bench had seven turnovers tonight in and, and relatively limited minutes. Austin Rivers played a lot. Bones Highland played about his normal amount of 19 per game, but other guys were, were pretty low. And I just thought it wasn't their best showing from a process standpoint. I did mention Jermichael Green first because he, on that dunk attempt, there was a separate dunk attempt uh, when he was in pick and roll with Bones towards the end of the shot clock. Bones sets him up. Uh, Jermichael Green try, tries to dunk through a contest for somebody else. There's a, Actually, that might not have been it. That might, it might have been a different one, too. There was another one where he was kind of baseline, and Bones tried to throw the lob to him, and it was credited as a turnover, but then I think that's where Jermichael Green hurt his wrist. So he didn't come back in in the second half, and his plus-minus was zero, DeMarcus Cousins' plus-minus was minus 13. Forbes was minus nine. Davon Reed minus 11. So I think you can tell where this is going. Uh, I think Jermichael Green is very important to the construction of that group because without him, it puts a lot of pressure on DeMarcus Cousins in the middle of the floor to not just be kind of the facilitator from the elbow, but he also has to be the bully And he has to be the scorer and offensive rebounder, and it's just too much for him. Like he he can't do that. Especially without making mistakes. There were there was a a drive that he tried to make where he just sort of fell over in mid-drive, and and that just can't happen. Like there's there are certain like you, you just have to be able to finish at the rim or at least get a shot up, you know? So I do think. That Michael's has shown his importance. I hope that his wrist is okay. I hope it's nothing serious. He's been dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. And Zeke Najee has been out. So I don't know where Denver's going to get that extra boost from. They might have to get into some more creative lineups. They might even have to cut down the rotation and do a nine-man rotation. With uh, Gordon or Jeff Green staggering as the bench four. And I'm not sure I'd want to do that, but we're going to see. We're going to see. Hopefully, it's not too serious. (laughs) Let's talk about Bones. Um, Nine points for Bones on three shots, and it was one of three from three. He got to the line six times and made all six shots, and he had six assists. One steal, one block. Did have three turnovers and did have four fouls. So it wasn't like it was a perfect Bones game or anything like that. And In reality, I think it was kind of an average Bones game because he's been kind of raising his level for so long here and has been so efficient at what he's done and and kind of with a lot of volume at what he's done that it's kind of surprising to see him have a down game like this. But he managed to be a plus one. A lot of it was because, he was on the court at times with Jokic and, and Monte at times. Monte came in and staggered in that fourth quarter and was very good. Aaron Gordon, same thing. But Bones is clearly in the rotation. He played the second most minutes on the bench next to Austin Nervis, who played 27. And I just I can't imagine a, a scenario where Bones doesn't play in a playoff game. Which is crazy to me because he's a six foot two, 170 pound rookie who still can be a space cadet at times on defense, but he's just become so valuable to kind of stirring the drink that is the Nuggets bench offense. That if they don't have him out there and if he's not good, then they're going to struggle. So he kind of has that Jokic effect in a lot of ways. I thought it would be Cousins who would have that effect, but it's really been bones lately. Where he's the guy who has to kind of direct everything. And because nobody really stepped up around him tonight, all the pressure kind of fell on him. And then that's kind of the breaks at times. Jokic has learned that ad nauseum. So either way, Austin Rivers, 27 minutes, one of five from the field, 0 of four from three, didn't make his threes, but he did have three steals. They had it at three initially, or they had it at four initially think they credited one of those to Jokic, actually. So he finishes with three steals, two assists, two turnovers. Not the best shooting game and and not really the best impact game in general, but he was on the floor to close. And he just knows his role, knows how to impact the game and is a very good fifth option when Denver's out there. He took on the Trey Mann assignment down the stretch, was very, very good in that situation. And the Nuggets just are going to need him. They're going to need him to be a good perimeter defender for the team, whether they're facing, like, especially in the playoffs. Like, if they end up facing Golden State, he's going to need to be out there for Steph Curry for a lot of those minutes. If he's out there with uh, Memphis, then he's going to be against John ja Morant or Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain or somebody like that. Tyus Jones, like, they've, they've got a lot of guys. Uh, Same thing with the Suns, of course. Like, Rivers is going to need to be out there. He's going to need to be good, and so him hitting shots is going to be important. But he's going to because he's going to have to do it on both ends, right? Like, you can't be twenty-seven minutes and only get up five shots and score two points. But he knows that he's going to be better, and the Nuggets know that they know that they need to get him well. Finally, Bryn Forbes was initially in the rotation. Uh, He played ten minutes. Wasn't great. Davon Reed wasn't initially in the rotation, but he came in as both a replacement for Aaron Gordon towards the end of the first half, but also as the bench power forward in place of uh, Jermichael Green. So that didn't really work well. I'm not sure that's his fault per se, but I do think the Nuggets are going to need to figure that out. Like you would hope that Zeke Naji could fill that role. Hell, if Michael Porter was healthy, you'd hope that he could fill that role. So maybe this kind of prompts them to to ask where Michael Porter's at. That would be a very interesting, very interesting convo right there. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Nikola Jokic. When have we talked about Nikola Jokic on this program? But we're going to talk about what we appreciate about Nikola Jokic. We'll be right back. we're back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in let's talk about uh first let's let's go with the magic number stuff let's talk about the schedule and where it stands denver is at seven in the magic number category that's again uh nuggets wins combined with minnesota timberwolves losses that it would take for them to clinch a top six seed in the western conference and what that basically means is you avoid the play-in. You're, you're in a situation where, hey, if you get into the play-in, other teams have an opportunity to knock you out of the playoffs. And if you put yourself into a position where you get knocked out, then where does that leave this season? You, you don't want to deal with that. You don't want to be in that situation. You would rather get a crack at a playoff series, guaranteed, no matter what. You've got the best player in the world. You might as You might as well give it a shot. Right now the toughest games remaining for the nuggets are at Charlotte and against Minnesota. There are some other games like you've got at Indiana who has talent, but they're they're not great. Uh, you've got San Antonio, you've got two games against the Lakers, and you've got Memphis. Uh, I think the Memphis and San Antonio games are the biggest unknowns because I'm not sure whether San Antonio is going to be competing at that stage whether they're going to want to be in the playoffs or or still have a chance at the playoffs, or if that's going to be over to them, depending on how the rest of this, like the next week goes. Like they might decide to shut people down if they're eliminated from the playoffs. I don't think they will be, but we'll see. Now here are the toughest games remaining for the Wolves, who also have seven games. At Boston, at Toronto, and at Denver. And their unknowns are San Antonio and Chicago. I mentioned Memphis for Denver. I don't think that they're going to be competing for a seeding spot at that point. Like I think they'll be locked into the two seed by the time the Nuggets play them. So wouldn't surprise me if, like, obviously, John Morant is out right now. They said he would be reevaluated in two weeks a couple days ago. So he might not even be back and ready for that game. But either way, Memphis might be resting a bunch of their guys at that point, and Denver might have an easier path. I mentioned San Antonio for both teams. Chicago, uh, the T-Wolves play Chicago in their final game of the year. Chicago might be trying to avoid the play-in at that point, too, because Toronto is is coming. They They are flying up the standings, and Chicago... Along with, uh, well, so here, let me actually just pull up the standings for the Eastern Conference right now. You just refresh really quick. So Chicago's 43 and 31 at the five seed. Toronto is one game behind them, 42 and 32. Cleveland's one game behind them at 41 and 33. Brooklyn's two games behind them at 39 and 35. So Looks like it's it's a matchup between 5, 6, and 7 right now. They're separated by two losses in the standings. If Cleveland starts winning again and pushes Chicago, then Chicago might still need to win a game to avoid the play-in in general, which I think that they would certainly like to do. So that may or may not be a game where Chicago's trying and it might push the Timberwolves. In a way that it might not have at various points. But either way, I think the T-Wolves have one tougher game on their schedule than the Nuggets do. I think that gives Denver just a little bit of wiggle room right now. But Denver can't lose. And, and basically, that that matchup's going to come down to the Minnesota game on April 1st. Where Minnesota comes to Denver. Denver's going to be in a situation where they can pick up two games in the magic number if they win that game because it's combined Nuggets wins and T-Wolves losses. You can do a double up in that situation. Now, it kind of works the other way too, but I still think that if Denver wins that game, then they basically, like barring an unforeseen meltdown, if Denver wins that game, then they basically will lock up the top six seed. So, circle circle your calendars. Make sure you're all ready to go. Make sure you're ready to uh, pile into ball arena and ensure that the Nuggets are in a situation where they have a home crowd that is on Denver's side for sure. As far as Jokic goes, I said I wanted to talk about him here, and I do. Michael Malone made a comment today, and and I've sort of struggled with this at various points throughout the year. I think he's the best player in the NBA. I think he's one of the top wins producers in the NBA because of how consistent he is. Michael Malone made a comment today about not taking Jokic for granted, not allowing himself to take Jokic for granted because of what he does and because of how consistent he is. Because putting up the double-doubles that he puts up, the triple-doubles, the points, rebounds, and assists, the production and the efficiency, as well as the defense, it's just kind of unheard of to be in that situation where you can do that ad nauseum. It's so regular for him. And I know that this is the it's not necessarily the right time where you've got a regular relatively easy matchup for him against OKC. They don't have anybody physical to match up with them, but they do have people to physically bother Denver. And whether it's offensively or defensively, this has been a tough matchup for Denver for a variety of reasons. For whatever reason, OKC OKC just shoots the hell out of the ball against the Nuggets. So Denver, in order to counteract that, they needed Jokic to go off. They needed him to be not just effective, but a stream, extremely efficient. Hyper efficient to the point of breaking everything. And he had thirteen or 35 points on 13 of 15 from the field and 9 of 10 from the free throw line. That's absurd. That's obscene. He's one of the only players in NBA history to put up those numbers. I think it's 35 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Maybe it's 12 rebounds on 85% shooting. He's one of the only guys to do that other than Wilt Chamberlain. Like that's nuts. That's just an insane stat. And I get caught up in it because it's so expected. Because Denver needed him to do it. I expected him to do that. And he came through because he always does. 60 double-doubles in 68 games, 18 triple-doubles. He's shooting nearly 58% from the field. He has more points this season than all but four players, including Joel Embiid as of right now. He has more rebounds than anyone else. He has more assists than all but five players in the NBA. And they're all like point guard, ball-dominant types. He has more steals than all but 11 other players, including Mikhail Bridges, who's getting serious credits for being in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. His true shooting percentage is 65.9, which is insane. It's a career high, and he's doing it without his two best weapons all season. His free throw shooting isn't even as great as it could be. Like if it was at 85% as opposed to the 81% that he's at right now, I'm not sure how that would change his calculus, but it would probably put him up to about 67% as opposed to 65.9. His effective field goal percentage is about 10 points higher than Joel Embiid, who is 7'2". It's hard for me to watch Nuggets games And not think that he's the MVP. Because any time that he isn't great, it's like a blue moon. Any time that he isn't great, it sort of feels like the broken clock. He's been unbelievable. And I think the best way to understand it is to think about Denver's offense in crunch time and generally what happens if other players... Aren't in there like aren't just dedicatedly throwing the ball to Jokic every single possession. You had a random 20 footer from Aaron Gordon off the dribble when he's been dominating inside. He had been pushing the pace, pushing the tempo and just settles for the worst shot in basketball. Like when you're in a situation where you need a bucket. He had a, th- or you have a three in transition from Will Barton when Denver's got inside transit. He's got inside position. Denver's got an opportunity where you, you throw the ball inside and you've probably got a layup shooting the ball in transition. It gave OKC a break. Like it gave them kind of a bailout when they didn't deserve that. You have guys breaking the zone by firing up like leaning 12-footers, either on the baseline or kind of deeper in the paint, not necessarily in a position where it's the most efficient. But if you don't get the ball to Jokic, then things kind of go haywire. Jokic almost has to control the ball every single time in order to slow things down, in order to put the pressure on the defense again where they have to react, they don't get bailed out. It's a crazy amount of pressure for anybody. And yet, he has handled it about as well as anybody could have asked him to. Denver's got 44 wins. He's been on the court for 42 of them. Denver has needed him drastically throughout the year. They've had respites. They've had opportunities where DeMarcus Cousins has stepped into a role, where Bones Highland, has he showed out in Philly. And there have been times, especially lately, actually, where the bench has really picked up Denver. Sometimes there are times, like in the Phoenix game, where Jokic isn't at his best despite going 28 points on 9 of 10 from the field, where it was actually his supporting cast. That really picked him up for a lot of the game. But more often than not, Jokic is the guy who has to score, who has to rebound, who has to playmake for others, and then has to captain the defense too. There's a reason why I'm not pushing Aaron Gordon for all defense. There's a reason why... Monte Morris has been a backup in Denver and hasn't been a starter up until this year. I think there's a reason why fans have wanted Will Barton to be traded at various points. I think there's a reason why Jeff Green has bounced around the league and he hasn't really locked into anybody, despite the fact that he's been a valuable veteran everywhere he goes. The Nuggets have become so dependent on Nikola Jokic that when he doesn't deliver, it's almost a, well, what the hell do we do now kind of situation. Sometimes they're able to figure out, and fortunately they haven't had to do it that often. But when Jokic isn't at his best, when he doesn't win his minutes, the Nuggets very rarely win basketball games. They've been winning a couple of late, and once again, the benches picked it up. But there was a long time for a while that Faku Kampazou was out there with Jemichael Green as his center, and the bench looked drastically different and was just hemorrhaging points to the point where Jokic and the starters had to pick up the pieces. And they did it over and over and over again. Enough times where Denver's still in the playoff field. They've still figured it out. Porter and Murray have not been back. We thought they'd be back by now, but they haven't been. And instead of whining and moping about it, Jokic just continues to put the team on his back, carry them like a pack mule, and absolutely deliver when the team needs him most. He continues to be awesome, continues to be great. And if the Nuggets didn't have him, I have no idea where they would be. Like we've had this conversation before. They probably wouldn't be the worst team in the NBA. They probably wouldn't even be like the fifth worst team in the NBA, but they wouldn't be good. Like the Indiana Pacers come to mind. Be thankful for Jokic in all things. He always gets the benefit of the doubt. And I can't think of any player that has had to carry a heavier burden this year. And he's carried it so, so well. Done as well as anybody could have expected. And put up one of the greatest statistical seasons in NBA history. Bar none. That is gonna do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Always appreciate the love and support. As always, I will be back probably tomorrow. Want to get things started off right. Actually, well, you know what? I'm gonna to try to have a Minnesota writer on prior to a prior to Denver's April 1st game. So we'll just have to figure out the schedule as it comes, but Either way, uh, I will let everybody know. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe. I'll talk to you guys very soon.